A very happy new year to the listeners of SAP Experts podcast. What better way to kick off the year than by reflecting on the exponential rise of intelligent technologies and how they can be leveraged with ethics at the epicenter. As companies across the globe use artificial intelligence to enable scalable solutions, they're also scaling something else, that is regulatory, legal and ethical risks. My guest today, the dynamic Navreena Singh, saw this very need in the market and took the entrepreneurial leap. Today, we will discuss how 2022 will be the year of responsible AI in action with new accountability structures. Navreena is the founder and CEO of Credo AI and a technology leader with over 18 years of experience in enterprise software as a service, AI and mobile. She has held multiple product and business leadership roles at Microsoft and Qualcomm and is an executive board member of Mozilla focused on their trustworthy AI charter. Navreena is also a young global leader with the World Economic Forum and was on their future council for AI guiding policies and regulations in responsible AI. Navreena holds a master's in electrical and computer engineering from the University of Wisconsin Madison, an MBA from University of Southern California, and a bachelor's in electronics and telecommunications engineering from India. As always, my name is Akshay Mola and you're listening to SAP Experts podcast. Welcome Navreena to the SAP Experts podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. That too for such an interesting and innovative topic. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. Really excited to share uh, everything that is happening in artificial intelligence, especially with a lens on responsible innovation. Absolutely, Navreena. And today we will be also focusing a lot on ethical AI. I think that's what most of our discussion will be on and as i was going through your introduction i mentioned that you have held a plethora of leadership roles in various software companies whether it be biggies like microsoft and qualcomm or even being a board member for mozilla and now navrina you have taken the entrepreneurship leap with credo ai so Walk us through your professional and personal journey of productizing ethical AI. Absolutely. So, you know, actually I grew up in India in a very small town in a very eclectic family. Uh my dad was uh in the Indian army for 40 years and my mom was a teacher turned fashion designer. So, as you can imagine growing up uh in a very populated country like India, there were you know science was always an outlet to get to the opportunities uh, that we otherwise could not get and luckily for me i'm a person who really enjoys solving big challenging problems and always saw technology as a way that i could do that at scale and especially growing up in india we saw that across in our communities in our society and in using the tools and the capabilities that i learned through my engineering background as well as because of my love for science it became very clear to me that um you know growing up i'm going to go and build products that are going to have that same transformational effect 
So at uh, a very young age of 19, moved to the United States to come and do my master's in electrical engineering at University of Wisconsin-Madison. And uh, right out of, uh, you know, my master's program was recruited by Qualcomm uh, in their research and development team. So as, uh, you know, electrical engineer, someone who loves to build things, I was always intrigued by robotics from a very early stage. And especially when you marry that up with communication technology, I felt that at Qualcomm, I found heaven because here in the R&D team, we were really connecting the world through mobile ecosystem at scale. Rose up the ranks at Qualcomm uh, from engineering leader into product leader, and then was the head of innovation at the company. My charter at Qualcomm as the head of innovation was really to help companies stretch into new areas, areas where our core capabilities around connectivity and compute could be utilized to the fullest. And this is where about a decade ago, got very interested in machine learning and how machine learning could unlock new capabilities for Qualcomm, which was already operating at scale and connecting the world. So my team, uh, we created the first robotics platform for the company, uh, ended up working a lot in collaborative robots and supply chain, learned a lot about safety and uh, especially human machine collaboration in that setting. And as you can imagine, you know, this is when machine learning, even though it has existed uh, for a long time, this is when it had started to take off because of ImageNet and all the great work, uh, you know, pioneers like Dr. Fei-Fei Li were doing in this field. Uh, that really, I would say, sparked my interest in machine learning, but also gave me a pause around what potentially unintended consequences of this technology could be, especially when you think about physical safety and harm uh, to humans who are collaborating with these robotics technologies. Uh, right after Qualcomm, I was recruited by Microsoft and my charter at Microsoft was commercialization of cognitive services, which were a set of services in machine learning varying from speech, vision, all the way up to language models. And as you can imagine, at the scale at which Microsoft was operating, and this is, you know, we've sort of migrated from the edge era now into the cloud era. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting to see how AI was becoming uh, a value proposition for these enterprises who were looking to move to cloud. And then my role was pivotal uh, to enabling them to transform, especially digitally transform using artificial intelligence uh, at, at, at Microsoft. And this is where I got really interested in speech and conversational AI systems, worked on a team that was building conversational AI for chatbots. So we were essentially abstracting the complexity of machine learning from stakeholders coming from non-technical backgrounds. And this was obviously a fascinating experience, but it also made me realize that similar to the safety issues that I had seen in physical robotic system, now we were encountering even bigger challenges around governance and compliance of these learning systems that are basically deployed in the market and then start to learn from the data that they were receiving in, in the wild. And so during this time, started to revisit the early seeds that I had started to get excited about in terms of governance and compliance of machine learning technologies. And this is where a pivotal part uh, of my career happened where I was appointed as a young global leader with the World Economic Forum 
As some of the audience members might know, World Economic Forum is one of the largest collaboration of public-private sector, and it's a very influential organization, especially in informing multiple stakeholders around critical domain areas across the world. And so as a young global leader, I was invited to participate on the Council of AI, where we got to work with governments across Europe and Canada and Singapore who were thinking about how do you think about the national AI strategy? How should we think about regulating this very transformational technology, but also how should we think about, um, you know, not sort of uh, diminishing the innovation that this technology can bring. So I got the front row seat to future regulations, soft regulations or hard regulations that these countries were thinking about. So brought a lot of that learning back to Microsoft and understood that how critical trust is going to be as we start thinking about the intended and unintended consequences of AI. And I would say that, you know, I'm a person, I, I'm a big believer in following your passion. So for me, by this stage, you know, the safety in AI system, understanding the risk and really putting governance front and center, it became really clear that that was going to be my calling. And that's an area I wanted to, you know, invest my product and engineering skill sets uh, to really solve that massive problem. And for you know the listeners as you can imagine being part of a big ecosystem and big corporations has its benefits but it also has its downsides especially when things don't move as fast so for me it was uh, really around how can i take this passion and a need that humanity has so that we can build technology with the right ethical lens and how can we ensure that technology is always in service of humanity and this became really a core theme that I wanted to sort of dedicate the next phase of my career to. So left Microsoft to start Credo AI a week before shelter in place. And I can say it has been a very fascinating journey pursuing not only an area that, you know, deeply uh, interests me, but also an area that is going to be very transformational for humanity at large. Wow. Wow, Navrina. Everything you've just said has been music to my ears because, you know, you mentioned coming to the U.S. at the age of 19. You know, somebody like me, I moved to the U.S. when I was 17 years old to pursue rocket science, aerospace engineering. Right. And some folks are like, OK, how's that related to solution management? What do you do right now? And I say, how is that not related? And like you said, you know, engineering is really problem solving, to look for solutions within a system, within the constraint, and really pinpoint where we want to go with that. And I really love what you said, regulating, not diminishing. And sometimes when it comes to intelligent technologies, AI, machine learning, it's very easy to you know, dismiss things like, that's the devil. We, we're not going there. No, we are going there. We need the scalability. This is the future we're talking about, but we have to be able to regulate it as well. So let's talk about that innovation. So with that said, while researching ethical AI, I stumbled upon this Howard Business Review article, and it was titled, A Practical Guide to Building Ethical AI. And right up top, it stated, and I quote, companies are quickly learning that AI doesn't just scale solutions, it also scales risk. In this environment, data and AI ethics are business necessities and not academic curiosities. So how do you and Credo AI help 
in bridging this gap? Absolutely. Before I dive into what Credo AI is doing to bridge this gap, I really want us to take a step back and sort of address the elephant in the room. In the past, I would say, especially three years, we've seen a lot of noise in the space of responsible AI, whether it is ethical AI, whether it's trustworthy AI, whether it's the principles around, you know, fairness, explainability, transparency, there's a lot, lot going on, which, by the way, is fantastic. So when I think about this whole realm of ethical and responsible AI, I think about it in phases. You know, in back in 2019 and prior, we were in this education phase of really understanding that as you bring in these intelligent systems that reason over data and they start to learn new characteristics, you, you know, not only the positives, but also the negatives are going to see that amplification factor. And this is where the risk uh, of artificial intelligence uh, really potentially has the, the downside of getting amplified. So let's so, sort of dive into what those risks are. I'll give you an example. A lot of current AI systems uh, are you know, leveraging historical data to make future predictions. And as you can imagine, a lot of the historical data might have within it biases mm. which have been built in because of the way society have operated. And as a result of which, what ends up happening with these machine learning systems is those biases, now we are giving them the permission to get amplified because we've not provided the right oversight and accountability. And this is obviously a massive, I would say, challenge when you think about fairness in these systems. So just to make it a little bit more contextual, uh, financial services and financial services now are using uh, machine learning methodologies in risk scoring. And as you can imagine, a lot of these risk scoring algorithms could be using transaction data from your credit card to make certain determination as to what is the risk associated with a certain individual. But as you can imagine, based on those transaction data, there are certain characteristics or, you know, um, our understanding of who that person who's transacting is can be made. Mm -hmm. Based on zip code, you can make a deduction around demographics. Uh, you could also make a deduction around based on the buying pattern, the gender of the person, the age of the person. So the question begs, are the risk scores calculated by these machine learning systems truly fair from the perspective of you know, desperate impact? Are they by any means leaving out a certain demographic or causing unintended consequences of harms or harms to a certain population? So, you know, as you can imagine, when we think about artificial intelligence technology, fairness is a topic that has come up quite extensively in the past couple of years. And as I was mentioning that, you know, we are moving from this education phase uh, to identification phase to now action phase. What can we do about fairness challenges? Uh, but just to sort of round up, there is the risk of artificial intelligence can vary across the spectrum, whether it is fairness, whether how do you explain the outcomes of these systems? Because as you can imagine, a lot of these systems are now black box because of the machine learning techniques that are being used. There could be concerns around robustness of these systems. Mm -hmm. There's certainly a concern around, um, you know, how do you ensure reliability or security of these systems? So as you sort of peel the layer of risk, we are seeing with this new technology, emergence of new sets of risk, 
which didn't show up in the previous set of technologies, especially based on statistical models. Right. So having said that, comes back to the question that you asked Akshay, like what is Credo AI doing and what is our stance in this space? Now, we understand as Credo AI that there are three core problems right now for organizations. The first is really understanding what is the AI risk. And the understanding of AI risk really requires a set of very diverse stakeholders to come together and align on what good looks like. So previously, in some of the technology building, you can imagine the technical stakeholders, whether it's data scientists or machine learning, can sort of take on the entire task of building the technology, deploying it in market. However, in case of artificial intelligence, because these risks are very new to the organization and they need a lot of view from brand perspective, from regulatory perspective, from financial perspective, First and foremost, it is really critical that you enable multiple stakeholders coming from oversight functions like compliance, risk, and policy to be brought into this AI development, something that has been run and led by data scientists and machine learning engineers. So that's one core pain point. The second core pain point of these artificial intelligence technologies is context. You can imagine, and I'll give you a very simple example of you know, companies using facial recognition systems and the same recognition systems can be used for unlocking your phone mm-hmm. versus the, you know, for surveilling people. Right. And as you can imagine, you know, the context is so critical because even though it's the same machine learning models powering these two scenarios, how do you manage risk is super critical. And then lastly, one of the biggest challenges is this risk within AI system you can't really pinpoint that it's going to show up in only the modeling stage or it's going to show up only in the data selection stage. There's a component associated with the overall data and AI pipeline, as well as the people and processes. So really providing organization a comprehensive and continuous view so that they can figure out that contextual risk is really critical. So this is where Credo AI comes in. So what we help companies do is first and foremost, align on what good looks like. In the absence of regulations and standards, it's really critical for those multiple stakeholders coming from oversight functions and technical functions to be able to align on what are we measuring for and why is that important to the company? Because here, this is where the ethics of the organizations, the values of the organizations need to be codified into guardrails that can be used for testing these AI systems. The second, after you've done alignment, is really assessment. Mm -hmm. An assessment of three core components, your data sets, your machine learning models, and then your people and processes. So how do you assess for the risk which you've aligned on in the first phase so that you can actually see what your data sets are doing, what your models are doing, and how your people especially engineers, as well as compliance managers are building these systems. And then lastly, what Credo helps you with is translate, which is really all around, you know, you've seen and observed what's happening in your people and processes, your models, your data sets, and your contextual AI systems. How do you take all that information into a system of intelligence that is going to indicate to you what is the risk of your, to your organization, whether it's a brand risk, impact risk, whether it's financial risk, regulatory risk, 
And then obviously the next stage, stage is really around mitigation and management of that risk. But just to summarize what Credo helps an organization do is align on the ethical and responsible AI goals, assess your systems objectively as well as qualitatively around um, are those goals being met? And third is translate that into a holistic risk view, a system of intelligence where a company can proactively tackle the risks that these AI systems are presenting. So Navrina, what you just described was a very all-encompassing, very systematic approach. First of all, what I heard was that, okay, bringing all the stakeholders on the same table, let's talk about this, working it together, again, in a systematic format, like an engineer would do it. However, we would still have some naysayers who would consider ethics as a whole topic to be, well, it's fuzzy, Navrina, and it's not concrete enough. I can't measure it. It's not actionable. Now, you did describe that, yes, it is actionable. And some might say, well, fair enough. Cool. It is actionable. We can put some safeguards in place, but it is still subjective from person to person. Next, you have different regulations across regions. You have different regulations across industries, different things people care about. So how do you rebut that? Yeah, great question, Akshay. So I think one, first and foremost, the understanding that it is subjective is absolutely true because I think it is subjective right now in the absence of uh, creation of these you know, standards as well as known regulations because the policymakers are still trying to sort of work with the private sector on understanding what that good looks like. However, having said that, uh, I would say that these they don't have to be subjected within the context of an organization. And this is where tools like Credo AI really help translate those um, values and codify them into objective measures of AI risk. Uh, so having said that, right now, if you step back and you consider applications, so I'll give you a very current case on December 10th, New York City, passed a law which mandates any company that is buying automated decision-making systems, which are going to be used for hiring or talent management, will need to provide proof of a bias audit. Obviously, mm. as you can imagine, this is a very overall um, big objective. Who's doing the audit? What's included in the audit? what does good look like, et cetera. There are still a lot of things to be uncovered there, but it is very similar to GDPR, right? GDPR is providing you a framework and within that you have to, basically there is a little bit of subjectivity based on how the company um, meets with your privacy goals. So I would say that it is a similar trajectory for ethical AI or responsible AI where with the New York law, what we are seeing is now is first, the companies have been put on guard. Hmm. As you are going to be deploying machine learning system that could potentially impact humans in ways that could cause desperate treatment, whether it is in hiring decision or education decision or others, there are certain steps a company needs to be take. Otherwise, there are consequences. I think that's a very fantastic uh, first step. Now, in terms of what does objective uh, assessment really look like, this is where companies like Credo AI become pivotal because one, we work with your teams and your organizations, the enterprises that are buying the solution uh, to really align on what those, for that company, what is the risk profile? What, what is it that they can transparently share with the consumers in terms of how their systems are performing? 
And this is where I would say we are going to see a little bit of a journey mm -hmm. where there is going to be over time, companies are already self-auditing themselves right now and ensuring that their machine learning systems are within the context of what they are defining as good are performing as expected. And we are going to see the self-audit converge into this public audit, which is then going to converge into standards. And there's this journey that we are on. But right now, objectively, for all the organizations, as I mentioned, there are three core pieces uh, that every company can assess. First and foremost, the quality of their data sets, the sources of the data set. Secondly, the quality of their machine learning system. And third is uh, objectively how these systems are being built by the right processes, right oversight through the people who are made accountable for it. And those are core components of what a good audit uh, or assessment looks like. And then that's where Credo AI helps. Absolutely. And, you know, there's something that you mentioned, which really got me thinking when you said that, yeah, it might be subjective, but for an organization, they can decide what their goals are. Uh, and that is such a good point because, you know, every organization decides for their, their own KPIs that, okay, in five years, we want to improve our revenue by 50%. If you can decide that for yourself, okay, what are your goals for your AI, for uh, being more ethical in your hiring practices? Why can't that be put out as a KPI also? And like you said, it is a journey, but bouncing off of the fact that it is a journey, how does one scale something like this, you know, with all of these changes coming in? And second thing I was also thinking about is that it can't be really a one and done thing because now you mentioned that New York had this new law. Other states might uh, also follow the suit. Uh, some might have even harsher or stronger regulations in place. Things might keep changing. So with that kept in mind, how does one crack scalability, but keep it um, perhaps flexible enough that we can also change if things change down the line? So I think I'm going to rephrase this question a little bit because I think we are on a similar, um, I'm a big believer that innovation is always on a repetitive cycle. And you will see this across technologies, you will see this across markets. So with artificial intelligence and especially with the ethical AI focus, we are seeing a repeat of a pattern that we saw with cybersecurity as an example, or with cloud adoption as an example. So what really is going to happen is first and foremost, as I mentioned, we've gone through this education phase where companies are realizing that ethical AI is not just a nice to have, but it is a critical priority organizations need to manage because this could expose their organization to massive amount of risk, whether it's in brand, financial, others, but there's also a positive side. If you actually deliver on your responsible AI goals, it helps you build trust. And what we are seeing across our customer base is that trust can help you increase your sales velocity. It can help you, you know, bring in new kind of customers. It can help you retain your existing customers longer. So the positive upside that organizations um, can benefit from responsible AI that's where the potential is. And that's the kind of, I would say, is going to be the hallmark of leaders that we're going to see in responsible AI space. Having said that, uh, like any other technology, there is a journey to the scaling. And what we are going to see, and uh, you know, we, we've gone through this 2020 being the year of certain um, you know, face palm moments where companies' facial recognition just didn't perform as well 
or their algorithms didn't do really well in, um, you know, underwriting models, et cetera. And then 2021 was a set of movements, whether it is a whistleblower movement, whether it was ethical AI challenges, uh, et cetera. And then 2022, my prediction is, is the year of responsible AI action. And what this includes is one, organizations are going to reorganize around new accountability structures where responsible AI is not going to be a fringe priority, but it is going to be at the same enterprise priority as cybersecurity or cloud adoption because digital transformation by its very nature now is including AI right at the middle and center. And because of that, responsible AI is going to be a big priority. So 2022, we are going to see sort of recreation of organizations around these new accountability structures. The second thing that we are going to see is organizations already are benefiting from bringing in machine learning and AI for their uh, back office applications, but also for top line growth. We are going to continue seeing that augmentation and, and use of machine learning, but with a focus on oversight uh, and accountability being front and center. So creation of accountability uh, structures, secondly, more investment in artificial intelligence because of the benefits that we've seen. And then third thing that we are going to see end of next year is organizations actually putting, similar to what you said, certain goals for themselves as to what are the business objectives in responsible AI that not only will they accomplish internally, but will be willing to share externally. And those will become benchmarks uh, by which companies are going to be compared to each other. And you know, my, my longer term prediction going back to the scaling is really around, I think this is going to be such a critical component of you know, your 10Ks and your disclosures that companies are going to be measured on, similar to what we've seen in the ESG space, they're going to be measured on how are you not only building technology that you know serves consumers, but how are you doing so in a responsible manner? And, and that's the uh, area that we are really looking and watching and building solutions towards, because that is going to be a differentiator for the enterprises who are going to be leaders in artificial intelligence. Absolutely. And listeners, you heard the predictions right here on the SAP Experts podcast. So keep your eyes and ears peeled to the news around the world of artificial intelligence. And guess what? Perhaps in a few months, maybe a year, we could be revisiting it right here with Navrina. So let us know what do you think. So with that said, Navrina, at SAP, we have something known as, as SAPIO. We love to encourage entrepreneurships and SAP IO, what it is, it is an internal accelerator for our own innovators from across the globe. You know, all those folks who have that entrepreneurial itch, that mindset to do something, they have these brilliant ideas and SAP gets them together with like-minded people and help accelerate that. So what would be your advice for any tech entrepreneurs who are just starting out? Uh, well, if they're already starting out, that's fantastic, because I would say that I find a big barrier in people who don't even take the first step. So, uh, you know, my one of my favorite quotes of all time is, you don't have to be great to get started, you just have to start to be great. So I think for me, that is a mantra I have followed in my life 
bias towards action so that you can actually using that momentum start to figure out what you're great at and continue to build on that momentum but for the entrepreneurs who've already taken a you know plunge and gone you know started on that action uh, my advice to them is keep betting on yourself because nobody else will and more importantly um you know surround yourself with people who are the believers uh, who are the dreamers who can see the vision like you can and even if they can't see the vision they believe in you so much that you know no matter the roller coaster that you're going to go on in this entrepreneurial journey uh, they are going to be uh, around you because one of the core lessons learned for me in the past uh, 19 months of building this company is you will always in your career and in your life find people who uh, snub your ideas who don't believe in your ideas but it really takes rare person to you know continue supporting you when things don't go right and those are the kind of people that you want around you because in entrepreneurship you will have 99% saying no but you just need that 1% who says mm -hmm. yes or you can get them to yes to believe in you so i would say that for those who've already started on this entrepreneurial journey a bet on yourself day in day out even when the world doesn't believe in you Absolutely. And Avrina, we have already challenged our audience in two ways. First of all, to bet on themselves. And second of all, to keep their eyes and ears peeled to all the trends and for all the predictions. And a part of that would entail them following you and see what Credo AI and you have been up to. So where can the audience follow you? Absolutely. One of my commitments for 2022 is to be more active on Twitter, to share my learnings, not only in AI, responsible AI uh, and entrepreneurship, uh, but really just to give back to this community who's helped us get to this stage. So please follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Navrina Singh. Uh, and also I'm very, very active on LinkedIn. Uh, so happy to answer any questions in areas of entrepreneurship, artificial intelligence and responsible AI. Absolutely. And I will be putting all of that information in the show notes down below. With that, Navrina, it was such a pleasure. I'm absolutely fangirling and I'll be going over this recording once our talk is done. But thank you so much for joining me today. No, thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited to see uh, people, you know, not only get excited about, but take action in responsible innovation and ethical AI in the coming years. So thank you for giving me the stage. <laughs>